Hey, this is Pastor Chris Sarno from Relevant Church, and you're listening to ELC Radio. Love God, lift others. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. turn in your Bibles now to the book of Numbers 13, Numbers chapter 13. And if you didn't get a chance yet, make sure you go uh, onto the app, to the, to the app or the website and hear Pastor Tina's message last week on prayer. Amen. How many know God is always speaking? Amen. And sometimes we just need to turn other things and other voices off and key into that. Drop everything and and uh, listen to the, to His voice. And so, if you haven't heard that word yet, make sure you get on there and you'll be encouraged by that. Uh, and I want to continue in this ser- uh, this series that we're talking about about crossing over, uh, crossing over into your best life. That is what we're talking about. I was I was talking to somebody at the gym and and they weren't saved and. I I was inviting them to the service. Actually, they're friends of uh, Vanessa and, and the guitarists, and they said, you guys invite her all the time, and, and uh, I, I was starting to talk to her. She, so I came in after a Sunday. I said, hey, I didn't see you there at church, and she goes, oh, I'm going to come. What was the sermon about? I said, well, we started a new series called Crossing Over, and she goes, oh, I don't want to hear about that. And I said, why? She goes, well, crossing over, isn't that like into the dead, like crossing over <laughs> into the dead? I said, oh, no, 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 no. It's not that at all. It is crossing over into your best life. Amen. And that's what we're talking about. So don't don't get it confused. Amen. We're not trying to talking about you crossing over because hopefully that's taken care of already. Amen. That when we cross over, we cross over into glory. Hallelujah. We cross over into the pearly gates. Come on, somebody. Amen. So I shouldn't need to cover that, but some of you might need to hear some of that. But what I'm talking about today is about crossing over and, and this whole month about crossing over into your best life, because really that is what the vision of Elevate Life Church is all about. It's about elevating life in you. That's what it is. It's not a catchy name. It's not because it's, oh, you know, elevates a cool word. It's, you know, no, it has nothing to do with any of that stuff. It has to do with the vision that God gave us to raise up a people who will love God and lift others. And in doing that, what you do for others, God does for you. So when you lift others, guess what God's going to do for you? How many of y'all could use a lift? Amen. Well, when you need a lift, you should be looking to lift other people, whether it be with your words, with your money, with your talent, with your time. And that's what this vision is about. But it's elevating life so that we can fulfill and be a part of what Jesus died on the cross to give us. Amen. How many of you know Jesus didn't just die so you go to heaven one day? Now, that's a cool thing, you know, but you ain't dead yet. Amen. And I know there's a lot of people that think, well, I just got to live in hell until I die and go to heaven. And that is erroneous, wrong thinking. Okay, well, that's not what Jesus died to do. He died to give you life, abundant life, according to John 10, 10. So we're looking at how to cross over into that life because I've been in this thing for a long time. And I've seen a lot of Christians that even though they love God, even though they've received Jesus as their savior, they're not experiencing their best life. So look at Numbers chapter 13, 26 through 33. You can look at it on the screen there behind me. I think the guys have it. Let's go ahead and read this. It says, now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows 
with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in that promised land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the, defend, the descendants of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Listen to this. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Now I'm going to stop right there. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place today. And I pray that, Lord, this isn't just a talk. This isn't just an encouragement. This is an opening of the living word of God. And Father, your word has the power to plant seeds of greatness on the inside of us, that our lives can get better and that we can cross over into the life that you died to give us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. That's what this is all about, as I said earlier. It's about you and I possessing the best life. What is your best life, I ask you? Because so many people are, are, are just kind of going through life. Uh, there's so many people, you know, you gotta, don't even know what their best life is. And they settle for the life they have. Or they settle for the life they're around. So we've got people that they want to they have a good marriage, but they've never seen a good marriage. They want a good man, but they've never seen a good man. They, wanna, they want a woman of God, but there ain't no women of God in their family. There ain't no men of God in their family. Every man they've ever been around has been a taker. Every man they've ever been around has been abusive. Any man they've ever been around has done harm. And then they read the Bible, they get saved, and they see, well, you know, I want a, the best life. And they don't know that just because, thank you, just because they've never seen something in their world doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah, Amen? Yeah. Just because you've never been around it doesn't mean it's not there. You say, well, what am I supposed to believe? And here it is. You're supposed to believe his word. The Bible is very clear. We walk by faith, not by sight. If you want to walk by sight, guess what? You're going to be so limited. Because some of the things that some of us see in our everyday life as we leave our house, they're not good. Some of the things that we see in our own families and what we've experienced, it's not good. Talking about a man of God that's going to love you one day is like describing a unicorn for some people. It's like, oh, that sounds good. Oh, a man who prays, a man who won't beat me, a man who will love me, a man that won't cheat on me, a man that will go to church with me and serve God. That sounds awesome. But does it truly exist? And then here comes loser Joe. Come on. Sorry if your name's Joe in here. You're winner Joe. I'm talking about loser Joe. Loser Joe comes in. He's like, hey, baby, how you doing? And because he's interested because he got some money, because he's got nice teeth, come on, you let, Joe, you let loser Joe in because you feel like, well, this is all I see. That which the word of God talks about must not exist. And I see so many Christians just settling, settling. When God, your father God in heaven writes the book to you to let you know he has things for you that you do not see and you've never seen and you've never heard. What does the Bible says? I have not seen nor ear has not heard of the good things that God has for your life. So he sends churches and he sends people like me and pastors like me to come over here to you and say, hey, open your eyes. Open your eyes in the spirit because God's got more for you than you see. And he sends us into an area like South Sacramento where all people see is poverty, come on, ratchetness, come on, ghetto-ness, cheapness. Yeah, somebody ain't amening over there. Oh, Pastor, you ain't talking about me. That's fine, but I'm talking to somebody. And I'm telling you, life doesn't have to be what you see. If you begin to look into God's word, he could show you things that you know not of. 
There is a woman out there who will love you, not cheat on you, not treat you like her son, but treat you like her partner. There is a woman of God out there who will pray and won't be full of drama because you can save the drama for your mama. There's one out there. I'm not saying she's perfect because nobody's perfect. But what I'm saying is this. Let the word of God get in you so that you could see what he sees and get you out of just seeing what you see. Because I have people tell me all the time, oh, pastor, what you're saying, you know, it's impossible. Ain't nobody. There's no man of God out there. Yes, there is. Ain't no woman of God out there. You know, yes, there is. Oh, pastor, it's just too hard to be single in 2018. You don't know what it's like. You know, you can't be single and not have sex. Oh, yeah, you can. Oh, yeah, you can. And you know what? You can even do it and not go to church. See, you believe the hype. See, that's why, you know, some of you, you just raised on TV and now we're raised on social media. And the devil would like you to believe that everybody's doing it. But everybody's not doing it. Recent statistics, we used, to, we used to teach this in the schools. The CDC will tell you, recent statistics will tell you, that teenagers, although you think all teenagers are out there messing around like they're sex addicts or something, they ain't. Over 65% of them still are virgins. They just don't admit it. Come on, somebody. But it shouldn't be a bad thing. But see, the devil wants to convince you that things aren't possible, that you can't do it, that the blessing of God doesn't exist. And even if it does exist, it ain't for you. And so what do the people of God do? They settle. They settle. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to see you settle. I don't want to see you settle for a bad marriage, even an average marriage. I don't want to see you settle for kids that are average. Come on. I want to see you have great kids, great marriages, great families, great careers. Amen. But see, you first got to believe it's out there and you first have to believe you can have it. And so God sends preachers like me to come and on a Sunday and, 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 and tell you messages like this to waken you up to a whole world that you can have if you want it. There used to be a song by the prophets cool in the game in the 1970s, and they used to sing a song called, You Can Have It. Come on. If you want it. You can Google that, Spotify that later. (laughs) Add that to your prayer time. (laughs) But it's true. You can have it if you want it. Amen? Tell your neighbor you can have it if you want it. Because what the new covenant's about the new covenant is about Jesus. We don't want to, want to know what grace is about. Grace is about God taking care of the price for, the, for a great life. He died on the cross, paid the cost for him to be the boss. Don't let me start rhyming on you guys right now. Come on. You already got me going back to the 70s. All right. That's what he did. It'd be the same thing as if somebody came up to you and said, hey, you see this mansion over here in Rockland, the one right up on the hill next to Eddie Murphy's wife. Yeah, that one right there. I paid for that. Here's the deed. Four point five million dollars. It's yours. There's not a knucklehead in here that would take that deed and go, "Nah, I'm cool. I want to be next to my tia over here. I want to be amongst all these people that I graduated from flooring with. Now, I want to stand next to the homies from Valley High. You might do that if you're from Valley because we close. We close like that. But, but you'd be a fool. <laughs> but, you know, we do that with our Christian life. Jesus died on the cross, paid the precious price. You know how much his blood would be worth? Flawless, sinless blood. He gave it up to pay the price for a better life for you. And we got Christians that don't want it. And I'm here to tell you today, you could have it if you want it. If Rob was there, I'd have him pull it up on Spotify right now, but he ain't here. 
You can have it if you want it. That's what I'm here to tell you. Now, here's the situation. We go into the scriptures here, and we've been talking about crossing over, and we've been looking at Israel leaving Egypt, which is a representation of sin, bondage, your old life. So whatever your sin was, that's Egypt. If you was a clubber, that's Egypt. If you used to do crystal meth, that's Egypt. If you used to smoke weed, that's Egypt. If you used to get turned, that's Egypt. Come on. Some of y'all saying, I was in Egypt last night. <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. Whatever Egypt was to you, sex before marriage, the life you was living, that's Egypt. Okay, that's Egypt. But what happens is we get saved. We come to an altar. We say, Jesus, come into my life. We come into the wilderness now. Now, the wilderness is transition life. It's time where you start going to church and you ain't got it all right yet. But you're here. You're in a process You ain't what you was yesterday, but you're definitely not what God wants you to be. Can I get an amen? Who can relate to that in here? Amen. I'll raise a few hands on the foot to that, too, because I'm not where God wants me to be eventually. But we're all in that process. And the wilderness stage begins to be where, thank God, we're not going to hell anymore. We're not a part of that life anymore. But now we have to begin the process. And here it is of getting Egypt out of us. We got out of Egypt. God got us out of Egypt, but now we got to get Egypt, come on, out of us. So think about this. So, so Israel is 400 years in slavery, okay? 400 years. So that's grandma was a slave, great-grandma was a slave, and possibly great-great-grandma was a slave, and all of us in between, we've been raised in slavery, Okay? I just described some of us here, like some of us here, we're the first ones in our family to get saved. We're the first ones. Before you, everybody was just getting drunk on the Friday and Saturday and beating their wives and all that kind of stuff. Molesting kids in the family. Amen? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand, but we know it's true. We know the secrets that our family has. We have things. My family has them. Your family has them. Don't nobody want to talk about them, but I got to bring light to it because this, you need to see We need to leave that. And we need to be the last ones that those things happen to. I praise God that my kids don't have to taste the life that my wife and I left before we came to Christ. They don't need to see. They don't need to taste the pain that I went through to find Jesus. They don't need to taste the pain that my wife went through as a child. You guys know our testimonies. They don't need to. They don't need to taste that if. I leave Egypt behind. But this is where most Christians are. We left Egypt good. We're we're good now. We're not bound to sin. We're free from sin. We're in the house of God. We praise. We do these things. But guess what? Egypt still exists in here. Bondage still exists in here. And that is why in 2018 in America, it's hard to distinguish who's a Christian and who's not. Are you tracking with me today? It's hard. It's real hard to tell us apart, okay? Because for the most part, what you see is you see people in church living just like the Egyptians, exactly the same, except we get up on Sunday and we go to a place called church and we listen to a person with a mic and we occasionally go to the altar and get some prayer. But you best believe when we leave here, we go back to our old ways until next Sunday, until the preacher can get us feeling good or get us back on track. But we still go back and we still have sex with our girlfriends. Oh, we still go back and we still will light up on a Friday if it's a celebration. We'll still we'll still kind of do what we do, you know, during the week and call ourselves Christians. But see, you don't want to know what that is. That's a life where people have not left the Egyptian mentality. And here it is. Here it is. You can't cross over with that mentality. You'll never experience your best life with that mentality. Because, yeah, you're not bound anymore. Yes, the price has been paid for you to go to heaven, for you to talk with God, for you to come into the presence of God. All those things. It's paid. It's done. Yes. But you will never be able to access the best life. And that is sad. 
And for over almost 30 years, I've been seeing that in the house of God. But you know what? There's always a remnant. There's always a remnant that will leave the crowd and be one of the few. Amen? Many are called, Jesus said, the chosen are few. What I would like to see is a church of chosen people. A church of chosen people that go into their communities. And you know, here it is. They simply take on the thoughts of God. They simply leave Egypt's thoughts, old thoughts, and simply take on the kingdom of God, which is how God does things. Remember, you prayed it in the Catholic Church. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. How do you get his will in your life? You got to bring the kingdom to it. What is the kingdom? God's way of doing things. So here's what we do. We leave Egypt just like, just like Israel. We're in the wilderness. We call ourselves Christians. Come on, we do the Ric Flair walk. Woo! You know, we're in it to win it. You know, the champ is here. But then we just stay. And we're cool. And we go to church, nothing changes. Guys, it's time to cross over. It's time to go. So look at this story. So Moses knows it's time to cross over. Okay? He knows manna is good. You know, in the story, God gives the Israelites manna from heaven, which I've told you before, uh, theologians believe that it's Krispy Kreme donuts with the hot sign on. Theologians don't really believe that. I was throwing some of you way off. That's in my mind, okay? So every morning they would go out. If I was there, they'd go out to, out of the tent, and there'd be a box of Krispy Kreme. Ihole right there. Okay, where's my coffee? And every morning that's what they had was that nice manna. But Moses knew there's grapes on the other side that are as big as bowling balls. There's pomegranates. There's figs. There's fruit. There's enough beasts to do carne asada for everybody. And he was ready. Let's go. So what he does is he sends um, 12 spies in the land. Now, these weren't just, you know, local Joes. These weren't just nobodies. These weren't, this, well, they didn't just pick out of a hat. God gave him instructions to get 12 representatives of the tribes. These were leaders of every tribe, men of reputation, men, he, men who knew some stuff, good Christians. So if you think you're a good Christian, I am talking to you. These were the good Christians. Took 12 of them. He says, go into the land. Tell us what it's about. And we read the story. They come back and they say, Moses, that land is everything you said it was. The best life, all oh, the marriages over there are outstanding. People are married 50 years there, Moses, and they love each other. Because how many knows the difference being, between being married 50 years and loving each other than being married 50 years and hating each other? Amen? And that does happen. And so he begins to describe what's on the other side. And I bring up marriages because what's on the other side of your crossover journey? What is it you want? Because it's over there. Single people, you want to find somebody who's going to love you like you deserve to be loved? It's over there. Amen? Married people, you believe in for some good kids that you don't have to... You know, hopefully, hopefully, and I, I still raise my hand because they're still teenagers. I don't know what the future holds, but I hope I don't have to take them to court. <laughs> Amen. I hope. I hope. I'm, I'm, hope, I'm praying. I still got to see them there. I know you think Serge and Selena are perfect, but they ain't. <laughs> Believe in God. Don't let me down, son. Amen. <laughs> but on the other side, I'm not going to have to visit them in jail. On the other side, we have a house that is, that is, you know, comparable to us enjoying life and seeing our grandkids. How many can believe God for a house for you? Not just to be selfish, but so that you can fulfill the will of God. Whatever it is, is on the other side. Guess what? The spies came back and they said this to you. It's there. The life you want, the college degree, it's there. The career you're believing for, it's there. Hey, that business that you've been talking about starting for 40 years... It's there. That marriage, that guy that you said you want, I want to marry somebody like this. He's over there. That's what the spies said to him. It's all there, Moses. It's all there. And I'm here to tell you today, whatever your dream is, it's there. But here's the next part. 
But there's a lot of giants over there. I don't think we can take them. It's going to be hecka hard. You know, I, I, I don't think it's a good idea. So this is where we, we come into this feeling thing. Well, I don't feel, come on, millennials, you know. Well, I feel, you know, you get into that whole thing. That's what they start getting into. It's good, but we feel like it's going to be hard, and we could die, and there's giants there. Now, before we just start slamming this, and Pastor Charles talked about this at the conference, and it was, you know, it's always great. He, he taught a message, and I thought, man, that's exactly, I felt all good because I'm preaching what my pastor's preaching, you know, because he preached a message. I said, man, that's exactly what we've been talking about crossing over. And he made this one point about the, the Israelites, because we all can kind of look at them and just be like, man, they're so stupid. Why'd they do that? But, you know, we do the same things. And then here's the other thing that we don't take into account. These guys were slaves for 400 years. They had been abused. They had been raped by the Egyptians. They had been whipped by the Egyptians. Their identity was stripped from them. Their money, their, their, every, their respect, they didn't have none of it. And here they're in a situation like a lot of us. Basically this, their past was similar to a lot of ours. We've been rejected. We've been hurt. We've been molested. We've been taken advantage of. We've, all these things that we go through, they went through at the hands of the taskmasters in Egypt. And here's what that experience did to them. It caused them not a, to have enough faith to believe the Lord or even see that the good things in life that God had prepared for them, they could have. And you know what? It does the same thing to us. It does the same thing to us. I remember when my wife and I met, you know, uh, in, the, in the beginning times, and she'll tell you this, it was hard for her to receive love from me because she didn't meet nobody like me <laughs> before I came. <laughs> I always sing her that old Lou Rawls song. Remember that Lou Rawls song? Baby, you'll never find. Remember that? Remember that Lou Rawls? Spotify it, youngsters, when you get home. Because Lou Rawls used to tell you, baby, you can leave me, but you'll never find a love like mine. But in the beginning, it was hard for her to receive the love that I had for her. Just the night she didn't know how to respond. And sometimes I'd be like, you like it? <laughs> oh, it's cool. Thank you. Is that, that all I get? You know, just how about a hug? How about a, how about a tear even, you know? And, <laughs> And in the beginning, listen, because of the life she had come out of, it wasn't a common thing for her to receive love and affection in a pure way. Because some of you know what I'm talking about. Because you receive that from guys that want to have sex with you. And it feels totally different. It feels totally different when somebody is nice to you to get something from you than it does when someone's nice to you because they love you. I feel that in the room. Some of you, you don't even know what I'm talking about because everybody that's ever loved you has loved you to take from you. That's the life Israel had in Egypt, a life that was hard. And they didn't know how to get around people that were nice. And if somebody was nice, like just you, you think, well, what's the angle here? You know, someone gives you a compliment, you go, yeah, right. You really don't feel that way. No, they do. Somebody starts to be nice to you, you right away your guard goes up. What do you what do you want from me? What are they trying to do? Trying to manipulate me, trying to get in my head. Try, no. <laughs> They're just loving you. How many can relate to a little bit of what I'm talking about today? Come on, let's just be real. Some of us were like that. That was Israel. But check this out. Most people would let that be the reason that they don't get better. The reason that they don't cross over. And I've sat in my office with people and we're counseling and we're trying to do things and they'll say, but you know, pastor, I never got love from my dad. That's why I'm like this. Okay, I understand that. There were things my dad didn't do for me. I get it. But what are you gonna do about it from here on out? And here's the other thing. Let me just tell you, somebody needs to hear this today. That is no Excuse. 
Men, it's time to man up. That may be the reason you don't know how to act. You don't know how to receive love. But if you've been mean to somebody out of that, or you haven't done what is right out of that, own it. And here's some words that you must learn in the kingdom of God and in life in general. And they are two of the most powerful words in the English vocabulary. These two words can change destinies. These two words can let people out of prison. And they are the words, I'm sorry. Those two words can be the difference if somebody goes to jail or not. Those two words can keep your kids from from ruining their life. Oh, what some of us would do if we could go back in time and just hear our dad or our mom say, mijo, mija, son, daughter, I'm sorry. It could change everything. And some of you in this room may need to do that. And quit living with the excuse of your past. Because here's the point I'm getting to today. Here's what you need to see. That was the spy's report. But there were two guys that saw something different named Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb went through the same abuse. Joshua and Caleb got the whip just as much as anybody. Joshua and Caleb didn't have love. They didn't have a pastor. They were abused. They were broke. They were poor. They came out of South Sac or South Egypt. They walked with a limp. They carried a brew. They thought it was cool. Oh, don't get me wrong. Okay, I'm just going to start rhyming again. They were around broken families. They were exactly like the other 10 spies. But yet when they came back, they embraced the promise. They saw the grapes. They saw the land. They're like, look what Caleb says. Then then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. That's that's nice way to put it. He probably got up and said, y'all need to just shut up. Let's go up right now. That's how he said it. Right now. And take possession. For we are well able to overcome it. He came back, let's go right now. Why did he see it different? Why did he see it different? And see, some of us make excuses all the time. Oh, well, it's because, you know, where we come from. I, and I was abused and this. Listen, when you've heard our, you know our stories, that's, that stuff is true. We'll, we've, we'll counsel you through that and we'll help you through that. But you got to make sure it's not an excuse no more. Because Moses and Joshua didn't let that hinder them. They got healed up. They got ready. They saw the land. They said, let's go. You ever think about that? Tell your neighbor next to you, say, why not me? See, you got all the reasons why it's not you. But I submit to you, why not you? Why don't you be the only one in your high school class that is still married? Why don't you be the only one that in 20 years hasn't done time? Why don't you be the only guy in your neighborhood that you grew up with that is wealthy? Amen? Why don't you be the only one out of your clique that don't do drugs, don't smoke? Amen? Tell your neighbor again, why not me? Now tell your other neighbor that you just ignored. Why not you? Because they was getting hurt. I saw it. I saw it in the room. Why not? Why not you? Why not you? What was the difference? And this is what I want you to catch as I bring this to a close. What was the difference? What made what, what? Why was it that Joshua and Caleb were able to overcome their past, see the good? And then the story goes on and possess the promise when all their friends, all their family, all their gente, uh-oh, all their raza, all their peeps didn't. Why were they only the only ones? 
Well, when you study about these two characters, when you, when you begin to look at their lives, the Bible tells us two things about Joshua and Caleb that are different from everybody else. And you want to know what those two things are. Those two things are they were close to leadership. I'm going to hurt some people in here with this word, but this is not meant to be a word that hurts, although it cuts. It's a word that's going to help you if you understand the principle behind it. My wife and I have labored in this church enough where we've proven our love to you, to this territory, to South Sacramento, that I can get up and preach this without some of you thinking that it's a self-serving word or that I'm trying to manipulate you or I'm trying to make you do something you don't want to do. There'll always be a few of you that will think that anyway, but then this really isn't for you. I'm talking to the people that want to cross over because crossing over takes us digesting hard truths, truths that are difficult, but we still need to hear. Can I get a good strong amen on that? So that's not the majority of y'all in here, but there might be a few that think like this. And that's okay because that's a slave mentality. A slave mentality is always waiting for the manipulation, always waiting for what's on the other hand of the, well, how are they going to work me? But you can't come into the kingdom and read God's word with those kind of eyes. The way you can read God's, you have to read God's word with a trusting eye. That's how you have to do it. Because if you try to come in and, and, and digest God's word with, well, what's the angle? What's this? What's this really mean? Then you're going to miss it because that's not how the kingdom works. The one, the one thing that the kingdom runs on is relationship. And it starts with relationship with Jesus. And the foundation of relationship is trust. And if you don't have trust, you don't have relationship. That's why you girlfriends that don't trust your boyfriends, what are you doing in that? That is not a relationship. That's an arrangement. If you always, let me see your phone. If you always, well, what was you? Then put a tracker on that thing. That is not a relationship. That's an arrangement you got. And it's usually an arrangement around sex. It gets real quiet in this Baptist church today. Because a relationship takes trust. If you can't, if you can't trust them, don't marry them. <laughs> don't be with them. Don't be with them. Be, go back to friends until you can trust them. Because relationship is based on trust. Now, how can you have relationship with God when you don't trust him? When he, tr- he tells you, hey, this is how I want you to live. Well, I feel. No, no, no. This is what I want you to do. Yeah, but I don't know if I agree with that. Then you don't trust him yet. When you, when you learn that you can trust God, this thing is going to come alive to you. <laughs> you blue is going to be bluer. Green's going to be green. You're going to go outside and be like, wow, I didn't know the world was this good. You're gonna, I'm, just, I'm serious. But some of you just holding on to this. Well, I have trust issues. Listen, deal with them things. Because trust issues mean you can't have relationships. Because relationships built on trust. That's a side note. But what was the deal here with Joshua and Caleb? They were close to their leaders. The Bible tells us in Exodus 17, as we look at the life of Joshua, Joshua was somebody that God chose to be close to Moses. God chose him. And in Exodus 17, 9 through 13, we first find out, this is where Moses is introduced to Joshua. Uh, Moses commanded uh, Joshua to choose men and go fight against Amalek. So the first introduction that, they, that we see that they have together is Moses saying, hey, Joshua, I'm making you the general. I'm making you the head of this army. I'm making you the head usher. Come on, somebody. I'm, making, I'm putting you over children's ministry. You're doing this. You're going to do this thing. And Joshua goes out. And in this first instance, Moses confides in Joshua and entrusts leadership to Joshua. We see that there. Then we go on Exodus 17, 14, 16. This is where God tells Moses, hey, Moses, pour into this guy. Joshua, write the victory down that you just had so that Joshua can read about it when things get tough. So God's already positioning Joshua close to leadership. Exodus 24, we see it again. Moses and Joshua go up to Mount Sinai. They travel together. Now, what's significant about that? Mount Sinai is where Moses met with God. And he takes Joshua with him. But the Bible says Moses was only the one able to go up and meet with God face to face. 
But you know what Joshua did? He stayed by the mountain. He stayed right there, posted up for days. The Bible says Moses was gone 40 days and 40 nights meeting with the Lord. Guess where Joshua was? Did he go back to the hood? Did he go crack a cold one open with the homies? Did he run back and smoke something and just wait for Joshua to come back? I'll be back there on Sunday. It's all good. It's all straight. Did he go out and start his own church? Did he start going, Moses taking too long? Our people need leadership. I'm just going to go over here and I'm going to start leadership now ministries and we're going to do it this way. He didn't do that. You know what he did? He waited on his leader. He waited on his leader who was waiting with God. And he stayed at the mountain. Now, why is this so significant? Why am I sharing this? Is because Satan don't want you close to nobody who's living this word. He don't want you close to my wife and I. He don't want you close to our staff. He don't want you close to the head ushers. He don't want you close to the children's leaders. He don't want you close to the worship leader. Because anybody that's a leader can take you over. And Satan knows that. So he's going to keep you with the masses. He's going to keep you with all the masses, with everybody, with the they's in your life. Y'all know them they's? Those they's that don't want you to have a new car? They don't want you to win. They don't want you to cross over. Y'all ever hear people say that? The they's are the masses. You got to leave the masses and come close to the mountain. Because in the mountains where the leaders are. So Satan knows that. So you know what he'll do? Satan will always use people to divide you from the people God has called to lead you. So he'll take somebody who was hurt by a leader. And that guy leaves that and goes spread his venom to others to let you know those leaders ain't perfect. Those leaders ain't got it all together. Let me beat them to the punch. You darn right. We ain't perfect. Ain't never claimed to be perfect. Man, y'all don't even know. Some of you that only know Elevate Life Church, my wife and I have been more transparent to you than most preachers across the world. We have shared our scars, our blood. We've, we've cried in front of you. We've, we've opened up our lives. We know we ain't perfect. We already know that. So if someone's coming to you about our weaknesses, amen. We got them. We don't always get it right. If you sat down and interviewed my kids, they could tell you things. They could, they could, they could tell you some stuff. They could tell you about our arguments. They could tell you about our fights. They could tell you about times where it was, when I got home, it was tense. They could tell you about that. But you know what? So can I. So you don't need to chase them down. <laughs> you want to know about our life? I'd be happy to tell you about it. But see, Satan will take stuff, and not only from like us, but maybe it's the youth leaders that you're under or the head ushers that you're working with. And the minute you get around, you're going to see their weaknesses. You're going to see them. Because everybody's got them. And the enemy will come and he'll go, this is why you shouldn't follow them. Because they ain't perfect. This is why you shouldn't listen to them. Because they could hurt you. And you know what he does? He takes you from being a part of the group that's crossing over. And he pushes you back to being a part of the ones that die in the wilderness. That's what he does. Because what we learned from Joshua and Caleb, they were close to their leaders. Now, see, some people would think, oh, I'm saying that because I just want everybody to do everything I say. Be close to me and my wife. See us as your personal savior. Listen, Jesus is your personal savior. I don't want the job because y'all are too much work. I don't want that. I don't want to be your personal savior. I don't want to be your answer. My job is to point you to Jesus because her and I can't do it. Nobody on our staff can do that. We're here to help you. We're here to lead you. We're here to help you cross over with us. But here's the thing. Satan knows that the key to you getting the life you want, you're going to have to listen to somebody. And you're going to have to identify who are the leaders that God has appointed for my life. And you know what you need for that? Discernment. Because you've got to be able to discern who God is with and who God's called, you to, called to lead you. And I just tell you this with all love in sincerity, because I want everybody to come to this church. I don't want people leaving this church. But if you cannot find your, your destiny here, you must go find your voice. Don't stay in here and be mad at me. Don't stay in here and complain about how we do things. 
listen, if this, if with this ain't your place, go find one. And when you're there, submit, serve, go hard, because you cannot cross over without leadership in your life. It's a, it's a price. My wife and I, we just went and spent some time with our pastor. I'm going to go see him again in a couple weeks. Listen, it costs me to go to him. It costs me to have to reach out. I have to go through things and get on planes sometimes. But you know what? I know I cannot cross over without leadership in my life. I know I can't cross over unless I'm close to leaders. Tell your neighbor you need to get close to some leaders. And here's the thing. Not the leaders you choose. Hear me now. Hear me now. Not the leaders you choose, but the leaders God chooses. Because you know what? I learned a long time ago. You let me choose. Guess what kind of leader I'm going to choose? The easy one. Whatever you like. Whatever you want. Y'all ever seen Coming to America? Remember when he was interviewing the queen? What kind of color? What color you like? Whatever you like. What food you like? Whatever you like. That's whack. But it pleases the flesh. You want to know how much I believe in this? Y'all have met Pastor Charles. Pastor Charles is the Clint Eastwood of Christianity. He is the dirty hair. He don't play. And there's many times I've been on the other side of his advice, and it felt like I was getting punched in the face. It literally felt like, boom. And I had a decision to make. Do I submit to his voice, or do I whine like a loser that says, well, I didn't like the way he said that. What was, was what he was saying true? Oh, this, y'all, y'all, don't, y'all, don't want, y'all don't want to cross over. Y'all don't want to cross over. Listen, was what he was, I had to come to this. Did it feel good? No. Was what he was saying right? Yes. I choose the latter. That's where my focus is going to be. Because he's a man just like me. And maybe when he talked to me that day, he had a hard day. Maybe he was just lacking sleep. So when he spoke truth into me, he didn't put the sugar on it. Amen? Remember that, Disney people? Just a spoonful of sugar, let the medicine go down. Y'all remember that? I sounded pretty good right there, too. I'm, giving... I'm feeling myself right now. I know, I know. That was uh, Mary Poppins, is that right? Mary Poppins? Well, this was the day he forgot the sugar. And he just gave me the medicine. Zap! And I just, boom. I'm on the other line of the phone. This was on a phone call. And I was like, trying not to cry over the phone. All right, thanks, Pastor Charles. He's like, huh? I said, thanks, Pastor Charles. I really appreciate it. Talk to you later. But you know what? I value this thing. We realized we didn't pick him as our pastor God did. We just discovered it. We prayed to God, who do you want us to follow? And he, that's where he put us. He put us there and I have to deal with the man that God put in front of me. He's not perfect. It's not everything I, I, I want. Let me prove this to you because some of us, you're waiting for super leader. He don't exist. You're waiting for perfect man to come and lead you into your promised land. He ain't coming. Amen? So, so, so all these things that, that Moses, uh, uh, that Joshua had to endure. Let me put, put this in your mind before I close out here. So Joshua and Caleb go with the 12 spies. They tell Moses and the people, let's go right now. And their leader says, no, we're not going to do it. Even when their leader was wrong, Joshua and Caleb didn't go, well, too bad for you, Moses. I'm sorry you feel that way. We're crossing over. Because some of us would have did that. You know how many churches are started by people who split churches? Because the man of God or the woman of God that they're called to sit under and be under and lead them, they disagree with the decision that is made. And so they go out and they start such and such Christian center. I know guys that do that. It's like, ah, why are you doing that? Don't you understand how the kingdom works? Listen, some of you are in jobs right now where you feel like you're smarter than your boss. You might be. Somebody said, I know I am. (laughs) You're smarter than him. But here's the thing Joshua knew. 
Joshua knew he was right, but he knew he wasn't in charge. He knew he could take the land, but he also knew Moses is God's man. He knew we can cross over into this thing right now, but he also knew it's not my call. See, he recognized leadership. And people, there are going to be times as you serve leaders, you ain't going to agree with them. So check this out. Moses doesn't, I mean, Joshua doesn't agree with Moses, but you know what he does? He serves him another 40 years. Another 40 years. And he continues. You read on in Exodus. He continues to serve Moses as a father, ministered to him, washed his hands, cooked him meals, carried uh, whatever he needed, took orders for him for 40 more years. And do you know what that did for Joshua? It guaranteed his victory crossing over. Because when Moses died, God looked and said, Joshua, it's your turn. You proved your loyalty. You proved your heart. And most of all, you proved that you're faithful to my voice, not your own. Not your own. And so guess what happens when Joshua steps up and it's time to take the promised land? He wins every battle as long as he continues to obey God. And under Joshua, listen to this, he had no rebellions. The nation stayed behind him. You want to know why? Because he stayed close to leadership, even when he disagreed. You want to cross over? I'm just telling you, you're going to have to do that. And this is where Satan comes in. Oh, see, he's just trying to get you to do whatever he says. Well, whatever, whatever. I ain't even talking to people that think like that because you, you're still in Egypt. But those of you that know what it's going to take. See, here's what I learned a long time ago. The promises God had for me, I wasn't smart enough to possess them. I already knew that. I knew that right away. So I, I said, man, I got to find some smart people, some people that got some fruit and follow them. It's that easy, people. It's that easy. Tell your neighbor, I ain't smart enough. See, some of y'all couldn't even say it. Some of y'all couldn't say I saw you. I saw you. Couldn't even say it. That's how much pride you got. God is going to have you follow some people that you don't agree with. He's going to do it on purpose. He's going to do it on purpose. Look at King David. I sit in offices and people want to tell me about their old pastors. Well, Pastor, I come from this church, and my pastor did this to me, and my leaders. Listen, I get it. Nobody's been railroaded by leadership more than my wife in, in our past. We've, we've been through it. It's like we got thrown on assignment, and they forgot about us, pulled back the choppers and everything, leave them in the jungle. So we get it. But here's the problem with most people. They come in with this stuff, and, well, this happened to me, and my ex did this to me, and all this type of stuff. But listen, you've got to be able to understand that God has a better life for you and you still are going to need to trust people. Amen. Ladies, I'm sorry that your ex did what he did to you. But here's what you need to know about anybody that's hurt you. Don't make the next one pay for what the last one did. Don't make, the, don't make me pay for your old pastor's mistakes. Don't make your boss pay for your last boss's mistakes. Don't make your woman pay for what your last woman did to you. And don't make your man pay for what your last man did to you. Here's the trick. There's a fine line. You've heard this before. Uh, let me say it better since we're in the theme of this. It's a thin line between love and hate. Come on. Who was that? The dramatics? Who was that? Who was that? Nobody? I'm looking at Eddie. Are you going to leave me hanging, Eddie? Help him, help him, Becky. Come on. Who was that? Wasn't the dramatics? Spotify it, somebody, okay? But what does that phrase mean? Because there's truth in it. They also say this. If you watch them crazy Netflix documentaries, there's a thin line between genius and psychotic. You guys have heard those things? Like, what are those Netflix shows where it's the killer, you know, or whatever? You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Act like you don't watch them stuff. You'd be up all night scared. But there's a thin line. There's a thin line. What is that? Persuaders. Orale. Okay. The persuaders. Okay. There's a thin line. And what I mean is this. Because of what the last person did to you, God, it, 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 the bad sometimes dovetails the good. 
So you had an old pastor who used to boss you around, treat you bad, you know, n- you know, spoke down to you. You know, you, so anytime somebody comes close to that, poof, the wall goes up. But did you know sometimes a good pastor will come and speak some truth that almost feels like that bad one? And then, boom, you pull up the wall and you end up leaving something good because you think it's bad. Even a good man, a good man is going to get angry sometimes. As some of you women that have been abused by an angry man, anytime that new man starts to get angry, you're like, oh, no, here we go. I ain't putting up with this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's not going there. But there are traits that the good and the bad share. You got to get healed because the man you got, he ain't perfect, but he ain't like the men that abused you. You got to give him a chance, which means this, you got to let go of Egypt and you got to get around some leaders. You got to get around some leaders. That's what saved Joshua and Caleb. And because they got around some leaders and they left the masses because the masses will always talk bad about leaders. You want to know why? Because they're haters. Yeah, I said it. They're haters. And they don't want you leaving them to become better than them. That's why every time you go over to that one Thea's house, she hating on you because you went to church. Because she don't want you getting better because you getting better convicts them of their failure. And guess who's always the, 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 the villain in those scenarios? Leaders in your life. So be very weary of people that want to talk about leaders, not just in the church, on your job, in the community. Listen, I don't believe with every civic leader. I don't believe in everything our mayor says, but I'm not going to get on social media and bring disrespect. I'm not going to do it. Can I just show you a few scriptures? I'm going to let you go, but somebody's getting free here. Look, put those scriptures up on the screen. I'll do it in less than two minutes. Look at what Romans 13, 1, Romans 13, 1, 2 says. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Now, listen, that is not saying God is going to judge you for being rebellious. What it's saying is your actions will judge you. So you want to keep thinking you got all the answers? That mindset that separates you from leadership in your life of any kind is going to bring judgment on you. Man, we have these conversations with our own kids because how many know there's always teachers in school that ain't quite doing it right? Everybody have that one teacher? I'm sure, and I know they're out there. But we try to teach our kids, listen, I know that wasn't fair. I know that wasn't right. But don't let that get in your heart. Because you lose when you talk bad about those in authority. You lose. They don't. Because your actions bring judgment upon you. Keep going. See, this is big boy church today. Amen. Look at Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your spiritual leaders. This is in the Passion Translation. Obey your spiritual leaders recognize their authority for they keep watch over your soul without resting. Boy, is that true? Since they have, they have to give an account to God for their work. So make sure it will be benefit when you make their work a pleasure and not a heavy burden. Here's what he's saying, man, take it easy on your leaders. They're working hard for you. This ain't easy. Y'all will never know what my wife, the price that my family has paid to bring truth to y'all. Y'all never know that. You'll never know the sacrifices that it's cost us, the thousands of dollars that we could have made in another field, the things we could have owned to bring the word of God to you. You'll never know that. And I'm cool with that. God knows. But here's the thing. Take it easy on them. It will benefit you when you make their work a pleasure and not a heavy burden. Y'all ever heard the saying, happy wife, happy life? It translates over into this too. Nothing better than a happy pastor. Nothing better than a good pastoral marriage and a good family, a pastoral family. But you know what makes it hard on us? And, I, and, and, this, and we're good. I'm not, I'm not up here crying and junk like that. 
You know what makes it hard on pastoral couples is the gossip that goes through the churches against leaders and the disagreement and stuff. Y'all been on social media? You saw that young pastor that just committed suicide? Young pastor in California had a pretty good-sized church, took his own life. He had two small kids and a wife. You say, oh, man, what, why would he do that if he was a pastor? Listen, I tell you this. It was because he was a pastor. And he probably had a church full of folks that didn't understand leadership. They didn't understand authority. And so rather than doing what the Bible says and viewing authority like the Bible says, they took it upon themselves to go, well, I feel I don't need to do that. And they probably gossiped about him. It happens in every church. John, it even happens in this one. It even happens in this one. But that's all right. We love everybody. Everybody. And here's the crazy thing, too. Oh, this is going to scare you, but I'm going to say it anyway. We know, and you think we don't know, but we know. I know some guys, oh, Lord. <laughs> we know. We know. And it's cool. It's all good. So y'all don't know, past, pastoring is supernatural. You can't do it. You can't do it, like, just by going to Bible college. No, you need the gifts. You need the anointing. We know it. And we're able to love people through it. I've been in, this ain't my first rodeo, as Eddie Cobb likes to say. I know he didn't make that up, but he says it all the time. <laughs> this is my first rodeo. But man, recognize it. Keep watch for your soul without resting. Uh, that they, they keep watch without resting since they will have to give an account of God for your work. That's what we got to do. Go to the next one real quick. Don't want to keep you too long. Here's what it says in the Message Bible. Be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things hard for them? Why would you want to make things hard for your boss, your pastors, your husband, whoever's in authority? Add to the joy. Some of you here, you are a joy to lead. I'm serious about that. I, man, spending time with a lot of you here, man, it does my soul. I love it. But then there might be one or maybe two, maybe two, maybe two. God, don't strike me down, Lord. I'm just I'm trying to be positive. I'm speaking those things that are not, Lord, as though they are. But there might be one or two that is hard. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll meet with you. Come on, what do you, what do you, want, what do you want to do? Amen? It doesn't mean I don't love you. It's just you make it hard for me because there's resistance, because there's walls, because there's not openness. And Hebrew says, now why you want to go and do that and do that, huh? Now why you want to go and do that? Now why you want to go and do that and do that, huh? No, oh, sorry, sorry. I got go to the next one now. Last one here, I promise, I think. Yeah, I promise. First Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13 in the Amplify says this. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to appreciate those who diligently work among you. Recognize, acknowledge, and respect your leaders who are in charge over you in the Lord and who give you instruction. And we ask that you appreciate them and hold them in the highest esteem, in love because of their work on your behalf. Live in peace in one another. And again, I take the risk of all y'all leaving here, like our pastor's just trying to get some love. He's just trying to get some love. That, that's really not it. We, we good. Tell your neighbor he good. And say it like that, dude. Don't correct my English. I saw some of y'all. We good. We good. We're all right. But it benefits you to do this. It benefits you to know these things. I won't go into it because I promise you it'd be the last time. Stand up. But Hebrews says it like this. Your pastors and leaders are worthy of double honor. That's what it says. Actually, it's 1 Timothy 5.17. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Double honor. Tell your neighbor, double honor. Now, as I said, we good. I ain't trying to collect an offering. You don't need to come up and do something for my wife and I. I'm not expecting a line of you guys to come over here and say, I appreciate you, Pastor. Love you. You don't have to do that. We're good. I got you, okay? If you, want, you can do that if you want. We're good. But it, if you want to give us an offering, you can. But, um, <laughs> but we're good. We're good. But what I'm saying is this. It benefits y'all. 
Because the two things that are going to get Egypt out of your life is getting around people that know God. And that's what's the difference between Joshua and Caleb. So when people come to you and they want to talk about our staff or, or, the, or, the, or the, the ushers, the head ushers or the head children's people or, you know, the head of this and they want to complain, listen, don't let, recognize the voice of the enemy and say, I'm not letting you cut me off from spiritual leadership because I know what happens after that. I stay in the wilderness. And I don't know about you, but I'm crossing over. Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you today. I pray that this word is delivered as a father from the heart of the father, not to manipulate the people into an activity or an action that I desire, but to get them to obey your word. Because Lord, you died a painful death to give them good marriages, to give them healthy children, to give them strong families, to give them destiny going to nations, starting businesses at home and owning houses and all these things, Lord, it would be a shame to die for us to die and never receive what you really gave for us. I pray, Lord, as they continue to listen to this word on the podcast and through the app, that every time they hear it, it would challenge them to find their voice and serve that voice in leadership. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store and you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.